0: The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. (laughs) Well, welcome to Tech Talk Cafe. Well, not even cafe yet. I'm getting ahead of myself. But welcome to Tech Talk right here on HiFM, where we always carry on about all the crazy new tech that's going on and to revisit something that I've had enormous. Uh, interest from everyone I speak to, we're going to talk a little bit about ChatGPT, smart chatbots and whatever um, we're up to in that space during the Tech Talk Cafe segment and a little bit about gadgets and gizmos and how-tos around ChatGPT because I think everybody should play with it as long as you understand what it does and how it works. But moving on to the usual, which is news of the week and A little bit of a quiet week from a tech point of view, though I must tell you that the tech industry is building up for World Mobile Congress in Barcelona end of this month. You know, literally just over 10 days, the entire mobile, predominantly tech world is going to gather, get together and um, discuss the 6G revolution coming. We haven't even finished revoluting about the 5G setup. And many of us don't even have 5G uh, phones as yet. Uh, Certain manufacturers sell flagships without 5G. But that is a story for another show, another time. But smart machines are definitely the hottest topic uh, right now. And we'll get into some of that a little bit later. But interestingly, another little tidbit from our friends at DSTV. And DSTV, just reflecting on why, why... They are where they are and what they're going to do about it. Now, DSTV, part of Multi choice is a huge, huge organization. They've brought, I believe, over the last decades, incredible entertainment to South Africa in ways that for, most, for the most part was cutting edge around the world. Satellite direct your home with feedback loops and smart decoders and all the good technology that came with it. However, I do believe that, unfortunately, with the change in how people consume content, with the way that the the Internet has just become completely pervasive, and more importantly, the style and manner in which people um, consume entertainment. I mean, the good old days when everyone used to gather around the TV for the 8 o'clock news. I know I'm dating myself. Um, or the 7 o'clock news, I can't remember which time it was, to hear the latest from around the world on your television. And there was one in the home, and it was the center part, point of the lounge. And it was just a whole different attitude, style, manner in which you consumed stuff. And then we'd watch the couple of the, of the shows that would come out weekly. And it was really very important. You used to rush to make tea during the advert breaks, Crazy stuff like that. But the world has moved on considerably. Globally, on-demand entertainment has just become the norm. People consume it in tiny bites through TikTok, massive bites through YouTube. And ultimately, if they want to watch a movie or a series, it's Netflix and chill. Now, where does that leave multi-choice in this whole space? Um, What they announced this week that got me thinking about all this craziness is that they are bringing proximity control uh, to add to their little bunch of uh, challenges. And simply put, what that means is that they will check. And interestingly, Netflix has started to do it in some countries like Canada right now. They will check your IP address or where you're accessing uh, Netflix servers from. And if you have multiple places, so Netflix allow you on their premium plans to share with five or six people. can't remember the exact number right now. But a, a number of con, concurrent streams are allowed, which makes sense. I mean, if you want to watch something, you set up your profile. If your kids want to watch something, they set up their profile, and off you go. But it has led to a pretty big deal around um, password sharing. And what that means is that one guy or one, one family set up their uh, Netflix and then share their password. <coughs> Excuse me. Share their password with someone else and then two families can watch at half the price, which is smart, but technically illegal. You're not allowed to do that. The agreement you have with all these people is simply that you will consume it within your family grouping. So if you're at your house and you've got five people who want to connect, so be it. Enjoy. The first thing DSTV did which I believe got it wrong, but I can understand the impact on their bottom line, is only allow you to stream DSTV with one concurrent stream. So if you have a decoder or their new little streamer box, you can use that to watch one thing, and then you can stream through the Internet, through the app, either on a TV, phone, tablet, wherever. Only one other person could stream. And that did, I believe, bring... Down the amount of password sharing and, and the amount of people who could access one account at a time. And truly that does affect the bottom line of multi-choice tremendously. And also being in a smaller market, not like the US or places where they've got hundreds of millions of users, it probably has a significant impact on their bottom line. They couch it as a, you know, a morally correct thing to do because they, the people that they pay and All the artists that benefit from it are not benefiting. But again, a little bit of a slippery slope. However, they are introducing proximity control. They say they will be doing it towards mid-2023. And what that will do, it will check to see where you are, are accessing DSTV from. And if you are password sharing, it will block you. That's exactly what Netflix have done. And... That may mean that they will allow more concurrent streams if they can check to see they're all coming from the same IP address or the same place. But again, that may may not make sense. If your son is on his mobile phone and he decides to watch something and walk out the house and he's no longer on your IP address, um, then theoretically they'll cut him off. He won't be able to watch anymore. And yet technically and legally he's a member of the household and should have no problem accessing the multiple streams and he's not breaking the law and he's not doing anything wrong. When you move down to your holiday home, imagine having to or, or go to to a hotel. You should be able to access your streams whenever you want because you're paying for it. So it is a really particularly prickly problem that I do believe there are slightly better um, solutions to, but one that DSTV seemed to be going down the road of, Cracking down. I love this term. Everyone's cracking down on stuff. So much illegal activity going on. They're cracking down on password sharing, and it has started uh, already. Um, The streaming limit applies to all the STV packages. And now... um, they're going to actually check it in a more comprehensive way to make it even more difficult. I do believe that this is a problem. It's created. The apps have not kept up with technology. They are really not great. Um, I, You land up, if, I mean, if you close it on your TV and then go to your Apple TV, it tells you you've reached your streaming limit and then you've got to reboot everything before you can actually switch across. It's just a muddle and a mess and it makes things really difficult. And in my opinion, there is so much content out there. I'm going to go through. I saw a very interesting article, which I'm going to share with you guys about, um, how, you know, what streaming video services are now available in South Africa. And there are a lot. So stay tuned. I think this is a developing story. I think we're going to see a lot of changes in that space. And whilst I do feel for multi-choice and DSTV, I truly think that they may have got this wrong and ultimately It's not going to work for them in any way, shape, or form. And on that note, I think we have to take a quick break for our sponsors. And then we'll be back with a little bit more news and then a quick how-to chat GPT and what Microsoft and Google are doing to compete. So interesting stuff coming up just after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back and now moving into, that wasn't a smart GPT message, but it was definitely a useful one. However, chat GPT, just a quick roundup of what it is, what it isn't, and then we're going to discuss, um, what's going on around the space. Chat GPT released to the public November last year and essentially it's a chat bot. You know, those crazy, silly little things where you, you click on a website and it says chat to us. And um, you click on it and you give it some information and then it gives you the standard sort of scripted response with zero intelligence. And for the most part, takes you round and round and round until you eventually get hold of a human being and you try to figure out what it is that you want to know. But for basic stuff, what's the, uh, you know, what's the phone number? Who do I contact for this? Where's your nearest store? Stuff. Sort of basic Google type um, answers. Chatbots have been useful to some extent. I didn't see any hype around it. I didn't really understand the utility of it, but it certainly saved a lot of cost of having call centers delivering really mundane, useless information that, or useful information that was really not necessary to be done, which could have been picked up in a Google search or some other form of online investigation. So it was supposed to be more personal and it was supposed to be a little bit smarter but until the latest round of AI or machine learning or learned massive language models like ChatGPT hit the market, chat bots were pretty dumb and pretty limited to very carefully scripted sort of responses. Well, that all changed November last year. Out came ChatGPT, which is a learned platform. In other words, it was taught Tons of stuff and it's got a back end of very fast computers and very smart algorithms which can then learn or extrapolate from the massive database of information that's been taught and with perfect recall almost emulate human intelligence. And that is what the basis of smart AI around computers is. And for my from my perspective and from the research that I've done and the understanding I have of these technologies, this is phase one. This is step one of how people are going to reframe their entire interaction with computers going forward. So phase one is text. You type a message into Chat GPT, It then gives you back information or whatever you, it is that you've requested from it based on the information that it has, based on the, on the learning that it, it has done. So again, if you ask some young guy, about some deep experience around brain surgery, and he's never done it, he's never learnt it, he won't give you any answers. He could discuss it with you, he could give you information about it, but nine times out of ten it might be wrong, or very limited. And that's exactly where Chat GPT is right now. It is not the know-it-all, um, <clears throat> understand-it-all, give-you-everything-you-need-to-know platform that it's sort of been hyped up to be. Google has access to everything on the web. Well, pretty much everything. And if you ask the right question and you do a search, you can get access to it. The problem is that is often buried under tons and tons of irrelevant, similar, or not exactly what you're looking for. So the trick with Google was always to try to ask the right questions to get the right information that you could go forward there was no very little context google has been building that in more and more um, natural language became easier and easier queries got better and better but it stopped short of sounding in any way human or intelligent chat gpt takes it literally to the next level from that point of view now this is the big question i've been asked a ton how do you use it well you've got to visit a website called chat.open AI.com. It's really easy. Chat, C-H-A-T dot open, O-P-E-N-A-I dot com in your web browser. You have to sign up for a free OpenAI account. And once you do that, you can click on new chat at the top left corner of the page. And unfortunately, um, because of the limited capacity of the ChatGPT AI, you often Nine times out of ten, you get chat GPT is over the limit or is too busy. Please, we'll let you know when you can have access. But if you do it early in the morning, well, it depends. Uh, around the world, early in the morning moves. So it's variable. You should get on pretty easily over a while. Just keep refreshing your web browser, and you should get in. And then comes the interesting thing. It's not exactly a cool interface, but it's an interface, and you type a question Or a prompt and press enter and off you go starting to use ChatGPT. But that is the simple part. That is where the magic uh, begins. And that is where it starts getting super, super interesting. Within the trained context of what it is right now, and it seems to have stopped the training round about early 2020 or late 2021, early 2022, you can get the most remarkable answers out of a ChatGPT platform. So for example, you can ask it to list the 10 best things to do in South Africa today or Johannesburg today. And it will do so. It will send you a whole list of based on what it knows, what's out there on the web, um the 10 best things to do in Johannesburg. If you then say, "Well, tabulate that list uh, in a table with recommendations or distances from Johannesburg central." It would do that as well. And you can keep asking it questions to refine what you're looking for, and say I'm really only interested in music events uh, in the next seven days. And as you can understand what it's doing, like natural speaking or natural conversation with an intelligent being, it is changing and refining the answer in a way that absolutely Make sense and you can tabulate it and it can even write programs based on standard programming setups. It can give you sh- schedules. It can give, it can take info and put it into spreadsheets. It is pretty insane. It can write essays. It can even do some really interesting stuff. The problem is that it is not smart. So it may understand what a word is. It may understand the context of how a word is used. It may have tons and tons of information of every possible way to use a particular word in the context of sentences, paragraphs, and novels, for that matter, but it doesn't understand what a word is. It does not have the intelligence of a human being to join the dots and to figure out that sort of stuff around it. And what that leads to is some pretty smart-sounding text that is completely incorrect, Totally and utterly made up. It'll make up plausible stories about people. It'll even if you ask it about yourself, uh, and that is crazy. A lot of people have tried that. They they think it's a bit of a Google, so they start asking information about themselves or their work or a thing, you know, soccer or something, and it comes up with these most remarkable, coherent, well-structured essays about you, which are all nonsense or mostly nonsense or couple of true facts thrown into the sort of fictional uh, story about what you've asked it. And that is the biggest problem with these chatbots. And that is the biggest problem with any of the massive um, language models. However, that's, as I said, this is phase one of where we are. Already you're interacting contextually with a computer. You're getting it to refine, to remember, to understand, somehow come up with information solutions that can be incredibly useful. So if you know it knows something about what you do or what you need, you can get it to do something that might take you hours. An example I used last time is if you give it a database of information that you need to test someone on and ask it to generate a random questionnaire or test for consisting of 12 problem questions around a certain topic, it would do it far quicker than you could and it wouldn't miss any 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 parts because humans are fallible, we make mistakes, we tend to have biases. Not that ChatGPT doesn't, it does. And that's a whole ethical area because, again, it's taught by human beings and uh, often reflects what it's taught, just like kids. So as a consumer application, it has definitely been the fastest one ever. Um, And it has... Certain limitations; it does refuse to answer explicit or violent or hate-filled queries. This is quite, this is quite important because again, you don't want um, the, the the mores and the morals of the of the society in which we function totally broken by some smart sort of platform. And what it will do is fundamentally change how we interact with computers going forward. So right now, it's text. The next level will be voice, and then ultimately it will be videos. And I know this sounds like complete science fiction, but it will be avatars and all sorts of other things. And ChatGPT, the company, um, OpenAI, is funded by a lot of large tech companies. Uh, Elon Musk is one of them. Microsoft's another. So there's some serious money in the back end here, and apparently it's costing around about $3 million a day just to run. Burning through it. That's a lot of money in the real um, in the real world. But here's where it starts to get super get super super interesting. Microsoft, they're an investor, have now released a beta of their um their being an edge powered web browser. A little bit more about that. Um, Internet Explorer is Truly, truly, truly dead. And if any of you out there are using it, it is time to either get a new computer, new operating system, or both. Either way. But Microsoft have released a Edge-powered web browser that is powered by um, the AI co-pilot and chat, which is based on the chat GPT platform. So if you do a search... And then you want to do something with that search. Remember, this is where it really is important that you remember that ChatGPT is not search. You can't ask it questions to tell you facts about things and expect those facts to be 100% accurate. Which, look, no facts are 100% accurate. But generally, if you are searching a database at speed, as browsers do, and you want to find out something, and that something exists somewhere on the web, a browser will get you to it in some form or another, and generally that information will be as accurate as the information that's uploaded to that site, that platform, that whatever, on the web. ChatGPT, because of its algorithmic-based informational and conversational algorithm and learned base, will then present some of that information, possibly in a way that is is, is coherent, but not correct. So you can't Absolutely assume what you're getting out of chat GPT is the, is the truth or factual. And this is a, a real challenge. And I think that is, is a real problem. Ethics and all the, the, the moral stuff around it is another one. But the new version of the, of the beta is, of the, the uh, browser is in beta. I have had a chance to play with it and it actually does change a lot of things because a lot of us use browsers to do stuff, to figure out stuff. To plan stuff, to create stuff, so from from music to visual stuff to finding out information and massaging that information into reports, into analyses, all sorts of stuff, into programming. I'm not a programmer, but I've seen so much around ChatGPT and programming, writing really smart, simple programs and even quite complex ones or complex parts of programs. Um, it certainly has a play. So what? ChatGPT is showing us through Bing, through, through a mic, through the browser, through directly with ChatGPT is that it can certainly speed up a lot of the drudge work that we do in a day, which is the promise of, of smart machines and allow us to get onto the more creative human stuff that no machine can even get close to right now. And I think that is the fundamental bit, difference between all these platforms, but Microsoft, um, showing that this is possible. It adds a tremendous dimension to its search. And because the database um, that it's using has now been expanded to its search database, you're starting to see greater accuracy, greater utility, and the best part of these AI or smart machine platforms is that the algorithms allow it to learn and to create and do things that were not explicitly programmed into them into them. And I think that's the huge, the biggest difference between a standard sort of computer program which is explicit. Do this, if that happens, do that. It's all a matter of trees and chains and explicit steps to get from point A to point B. Whereas in the, many years ago it used to be called fuzzy logic, and it's not really, that was really a misnomer of note. But ChatGPT takes it to the next level. It says, here's a set of instructions. This is how it could change. So work on it. Come up with information that was not explicitly programmed in, and it allows you in many, many ways to come up with information in a manner and form and style that is very human-like. Uh, people do that all the time. You know, the whole broken telephone thing where you tell someone something, and they tell someone something, and they tell someone something. And with each telling, it changes just enough that after three or four times, it's nothing like what started. And that is the wonder and the danger of humans and the wonder and the danger of ChatGPT, which is emulating um, sort sort of human intelligence at scale uh, in a very very special way. So if you understand it and you want to use it, keep that in mind when you play with it. And you could probably do some remarkably smart things using in 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 remarkably little time using a tool like ChatGPT or the new beta of um, Edge you know, using the AI as a sort of co-pilot sitting there assisting you to get the job done quicker, faster, smarter, and, and better. Google, on the other hand, have been playing in this space for years. They've been slowly but surely feeding it into their web browser, and that's their business. That's how they make their money. Search on the web and marketing and advertising on the web is just huge. And they've launched a new product called Google Google, Google Bard I've got a little muddle there which is a large language model exactly like chat GPT which they say will be integrated into Google search in a similar way that Microsoft have done it with Bing now in terms of its um, its message said they are delaying it because they really want to get it right in terms of ethics and responsible AI as they call it which I understand and I appreciate but if you I think people are smart enough generally, though sometimes I'm challenged in that, to understand what you can and can't do with these platforms. But responsible AI was their key point. However, uh, the scandal that hit the the world that everyone's gone nuts about is that they asked their Google Bard um, some information, and it came up with a beautifully worded, completely coherent, and totally incorrect answer, which is <laughs> not something that Google wants to show the world. And all of this happened... Um, Live during their demonstration Which is absolutely crazy But that just shows you That's exactly where it is And little be known to most of us Because we don't live in that universe But China and their Baidu um, platform And Alibaba And they've got some massive tech companies That are very similar to Google And Microsoft and the rest They are working on a very, very similar thing And they are also coming up with tremendous innovations in the large language models and generative AI space. And I will talk a lot about those down the road because there's just no end in it. But expect the following in summary and in a nutshell. One, the way that we interact with computers will fundamentally change from now. And the way that we manipulate, use and interact and get information is also going to fundamentally change moving from now. It's not going to be Overnight, but it will be fundamental, and it's coming fast. So play with that OpenAI.com and your chat GPT. Start to understand what it can and can't do, and use it in your daily life, your business, and whatever you do. And you will be amazed at what's possible with smart chat platforms as they exist right now. And who knows? Well, we sort of have a vision, a glimpse of what's coming down the line. And on that note, we have to take a quick break for our sponsors, and I'll be back with – a little bit more about what's up and what we're going to do, and um, in the space, and uh, a quick, quick view on a new gadget that I've just received to play with. We'll chat straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And before we get stuck into the next segment, which generally is gadgets, um, love gadgets, can't can't deny that one. Have a quick live read and that's Chai FM provides an essential service to South African Jewry. It also connects the Jewish diaspora globally. There is also, there is an urgent and immediate need to ensure that broadcast security of, of Chai FM and we actually need your help. We we'll would be grateful for your assist, your assistance. Support the Chai FM Radiothon on Wednesday, the 22nd of February. That's next Wednesday, the 22nd of February. Call, pledge and challenge others to do the same. The number is 0101-404090. I'll repeat that. 0101-404090. Pretty easy that. The High FM Radiothon 2023. 101.9 megahertz of life. So support us, guys. Um, there's a lot to be done, and uh, we need your help. So just call that number, 0101-404090. And... uh Let us see who you can challenge to help us along as well. Now, moving back quickly um, to the whole chat GPT thing. Again, just put a WhatsApp from someone to say, just repeat what happened. How do we get to it? You go to chat.openeye.com. Simple as that, on your web browser. Hopefully not um, your um, old Microsoft browser, but your new. the new version would be much more preferable, Edge or Chrome or any one of the new new ones. Uh, Internet Explorer is totally 2020 technology. Well, not 2010 or 2005 technology, old and gone. And open a free o- OpenAI account, click New Chat at the top left-hand corner of the page, and then if there's sufficient capacity and you get straight in, type a question or prompt and enter the world of smart chat, cheap chat. Bots and see where it goes But remember, not Google Don't ask it where the local um, deli is Don't ask it what time it Pay opens up in Norwood um, That's for Google That's for Bing, that's a search engine This is not, this is a large Language model which can tell Stories along with the best of them And sometimes it goes into a little bit of a Dreaming mm-hmm. mode and makes stuff Up, that is crazy So be careful But have a lot of fun now, what I want to um, just talk about, which uh, I think is 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 topical, we've brought it up, my gadget of the week. I didn't have enough time to really prepare a proper review. But, again, being asked questions about this every year, there's a whole lot of new phones and new gadgets and gizmos. And, listen, this year, times are tight. People have not got a lot of money. But there are those that want the latest tech. Always um, got deep into the Google versus um, Apple conversation. Some swear by Google and Android, others swear by Apple. Not going to get into that, they're both very, very, very good platforms. Each one has their benefits. There are some compelling reasons to use both. My personal preference on a day to day tends towards Apple, um, however can't say that I don't have and use all the latest Google so had a little bit of time with the Samsung S23 Ultra over the last couple of days um and my review unit just arrived so I'm going to spend some proper time with it and get to understand it correctly but my first my first impression is that this is very much an incremental upgrade across the entire range of S S models so S22 was In many ways Samsung have their little quirks in their software There are certain You know sort of idiosyncrasies That you get very used to Um, Android as a base Tends to be much more interactive In other words it asks you and demands From you a a level of understanding And a a level of Interaction with the the Phone and the operating system Beyond what um, Google uh, What what, um, Apple And iOS does uh, so for the most part, a simpler, easier, more sort of logical process to use a uh, Apple phone. And um, some people just love it. They don't don't want to get involved in things. But for others, they love the ability to make the changes, change so many things, and be far more in control of your experience on your phone, which Android allows you to do. But essentially, moving from S22 to S23, the fundamental differences are a faster processor, better batteries and better cameras now the cameras and the technology of the samsung phones have always been totally cutting edge with the exception of the processor which the latest um, the latest s23 models are using a snapdragon 8 gen 2 chipset which is an evolution of the snapdragon 8 which came out last year and is definitely faster more power efficient and, and for the most part is so fast that you can't even begin to, to think about speed with regarding to the phone. It boosts, far, it boots up really quickly. Every app opens snappily. Even heavy gaming apps that I tried, I couldn't, wasn't my phone, so I couldn't really load a lot of them. But generally everything that I played with was really fast and super smooth. Great screen, which is pretty much the same as last year's screen. um slightly squarer. Slightly safer to hold in your hand, which I loved. It's not quite as smooth and slippery, though most people, in fact everybody at this level, needs to put a cover on, which hides the beauty of the phone, but certainly protects it from random drops and falls and whatnot. So, the S23 range, three of them, um, are all very similar in their overall tech, except cameras, with the Ultra having the S Pen and all the bells and whistles that the... um, the 22 had. And for the most part, if you've got a 22 and you're not ready, there's no compelling reason to absolutely move to the S23. Yes, faster processor. Yes, much better camera. Well, much better, but a camera that's significantly better. The S Pen is slightly enhanced and definitely a little bit more useful. And I like the frame that's slightly more boxy and a little bit less smooth and and, and round and generic. It's sort of just bolder, easier to hold, and 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 I think it looks really really nice it It's solid and it looks squarer. The screen at six point eight inches is still unbelievable. hundred and twenty hertz super smooth variable refresh rate to help the battery life. can't comment on battery life yet, not something that I had time or ability to do, but overall, I still believe Samsung have kept their spot as the premier um Android phone manufacturer the interface has got slicker with every um, every iteration it charges incredibly fast comes with lots of storage so no matter what your politics is you know are you a Google guy or an iOS guy this is one of the best built most com- complete um, Android phones on the market I won't say Android the the ecosystem from Google Pay all the way through to Samsung Pay to the service, the support, the just general um, ecosystem of of user apps and everything are outstanding. For the most part, they are totally similar between the platforms. It doesn't matter whether you're on iOS or Android, you get exactly the same performance. The only thing I will say, and a couple of people have reported, that sometimes the camera, despite its incredible abilities to deliver the most outstanding pictures, does weird stuff and you get really bad pictures Um, for no particular reason. You take another picture straight away, and it's perfect. I think it's a little bit of a software glitch. Hopefully, their updates will clear that out in the nearest future. And Samsung are excellent. They do bring out monthly or, you know, every couple of weeks, six weeks to eight weeks at the most, updates to software and to security, which is great. They've really stepped that up, and it's pretty much download over the air, don't do it on your mobile plan, generally. But all the latest tech in the new S23, really very, very, very um, lovely phone to hold. It feels premium. It's super snappy. It's fast in every single respect. It's expandable, and the experience is truly integrated and extremely well thought out. So if you want the latest Android phone, nothing to stop you from getting the S23. If you have an S22, perhaps wait another year and see what's going on but the s2120 below serious upgrade seriously good device and uh, very impressive in terms of overall build and functionality price unfortunately is high but that is not in the control of many of us the rent is not exactly our friend of late and we'll be back with a quick update from the eu which has some fundamental changes for us straight after this this is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. Sorry for the sh- slight delay there. needed a sip of water just to keep me going. Now, the EU yesterday announced something that I think is pretty fundamental. It's not technology. Well, it is technology related. It's all about ICE. Now, ICE in this case stands for Standard um, Combustion Engine Cars. From 2035... We are, they are, have in, it still needs a little bit of, there's one hurdle to, um, update, but the law currently will ban all internal combustion engines from 2035. So in other words, any new, any manufacturer of motor vehicles will not be able to sell or produce a car with a normal petrol engine or a fuel engine unless it's a hydrogen or non-CO2 producing engine in the eu from two thousand and thirty five now that sounds like a long time from now, but we 're sitting in the first part the first quarter of two thousand and twenty three that 's seven years to two thousand and thirty where the rules have come into play that even city buses must go full zero emissions by two thousand and thirty across europe, and um, there has to be a forty five percent reduction in emissions starting in two thousand and thirty for normal for trucks and all sorts of buses so the movement to, bri- to ban CO2, to ban cars that run um, on, on any form of, of fossil fuel is well, well entrenched. Now, South Africa does not make, does not make cars from scratch, but they definitely assemble and build cars um, based on technologies. Ford have got a massive plant. BMW have got a massive plant. VW have got a massive plant. And their main export is the EU. Um, and England, which will tend to follow the EU announcement. I think they've actually also announced stuff around that. So the implication is, (laughs) and considering what's going on with our electricity supply, that over the next seven to to ten years, the growth of electric cars uh, is going to be exponential. Every single manufacturer globally is going headfirst into an electric future. Whether that's green or not is another discussion. But simply put, electric cars are becoming the de facto way that you do everything. And we're talking electric trucks, electric taxis, electric buses, electric bicycles, you name it. Everything is going electric. For that, you need a stable electricity supply because uh, if you can't charge your car, you can't travel. So that is a real challenge within the South African context. But for our manufacturers, there seems to be no benefit to buy an electric car in South Africa. There's no government subsidies. If anything, there are massive government um penalties for buying an electric car. One, it's hard to charge. And two, um they're extra duties which make them super expensive. So expect a lot of change in that space. And electric cars are, are mobile gadgets. There's just no question. They're fully connected. They're completely electronic. Um battery charging is a is a science of its own batteries are a science of their own and the implications for technology across the world is pretty profound, so we're going to see a lot of change coming simply because cars are um, going fully electric or transport is going fully electric so watch the space, Um, it's a big step for Europe and um, Europe is a major block in that space, a lot of people have seen a lot of comment around, oh why should Africa follow suit, well that's fine, Uh, Africa really does not need to follow suit We can do it at once with regard to vehicles and petrol and the climate and whatnot. But we live in a world where we are connected, um, we're all integrated, and we do not produce cars from scratch ourselves. So when they stop producing certain parts or certain bits of standard cars, South Africa needs to be up there with the rest uh, and to make sure that we follow these trends and do what needs to be done. And on that note, I'm afraid I've just been told that it's, our time is up. We need to wrap up this show. Stay tuned. Uh, next week will be a pre-World Mobile Congress show, sort of some of the highlights, some of the press announcements. It used to be where a lot of companies re- released a ton of gadgets. That seems to have slowed down a bit. Samsung always used to re- release their new phone there. They now do it early for whatever reason. And... Um, It's probably smart because there's so much news, so much deep technical stuff going on there. You don't want to get buried in the the madness of everyone releasing the same thing. So stay tuned. Come back next week, same place, same time, and let's hear all about the latest technologies and what is happening in the tech world from a South African perspective. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk, right here on High fm